Our sermon text this morning comes from Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. Hear the word of the Lord. Not only that, but we, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is God's word. Well, I want to thank the team that's here this morning, Zach and Michael, obviously Josh leading us, Michelle, Field. Thank you guys. Corey, thank you so much for reading. And Kevin's here, and guys, we're social distancing, but you wouldn't believe it, there's still back row Baptists, even when there's only like 10 of us here. So uh, that's, that's still a thing. You can't get us out of that rhythm. No way. Our practice here at Trace Crossing through preaching is to offer you the whole counsel of God. We, we try to accomplish this by preaching verse by verse through books of the Bible. And since the beginning of 2020, we have been walking through the book of Galatians. But in light of the coronavirus crisis, we believed it would be wise to pause our Galatians series to, to try to help, try to help give you a Christian perspective on the situation that we find ourselves in. Last week, we talked about how our weary hearts find rest in Jesus. Now, this crisis has caused me to long and to yearn and to groan for Jesus, for his gathered church, and for the new heavens and the new earth. And while the world is suffering collectively right now, I, I do believe that we need to take some time as a church to consider how we can find hope in the midst of sorrow and suffering. So I'm going to begin this morning with a question. Is there any purpose to this unexpected, unprecedented season of suffering that we find ourselves in? Is there any purpose? I mean, the whole thing seems very senseless and, and even random. You know, someone from China contracted the virus from an animal, and a few months later, there are 15 confirmed cases of the virus in Lee County. And, and over 120,000 confirmed cases nationwide. And thousands of people have died in, in a matter of just a few months from one single virus. Is there a purpose to this? Have you wrestled with that question? From a Christian perspective, as we process and as we cope with this crisis, it will be tempting for us to ignore that question. To just trust God to sustain us in the midst of the crisis so that when it's over, we can get back to our normal lives. Just get us through it, Lord, and then we can take it from there. We're tempted to have that attitude. Or, is this an opportunity for us to grow and change in ways that might not be possible apart from this crisis? Because, make no mistake, Whatever your conclusion is about the purpose of the crisis, you are living in this historic moment by design. It is no mistake. You see, our priorities, now more than ever, are bare before our eyes. The very core of our being is bare before us because we have fewer distractions to mask it. And it will be easy and tempting for us to focus on immediate responses to the crisis. But the question we need to be asking ourselves in this moment is, 
What kind of person will I be after this crisis is over? When you think about it, overall, we've all been relatively prosperous for a long time as as a nation, as individuals. But what if our prosperity ended? What would remain in us? Do you believe that it is better for you to be less prosperous, less comfortable, yet more like Jesus? If you had to lose your way of life in order to become more like Jesus, would you take that deal? If, if a harder life meant more intimacy with God, greater compassion for others, and deeper hope for eternity, would you take it? Because I'm going to be honest with you, we don't know what the next few months will look like. We don't know how they'll play out. But there is always, always a chance, coronavirus or not, that our lives will turn for the worse and stay that way at the drop of a hat. Much of the world and many in our own city have known nothing but poverty and pain and suffering. The question for you, the question for me is, what if that became our reality as well? Now, I know it sounds like it, but I promise you, I'm not trying to sound the alarm. I'm not trying to drive you into a panic. For those of you who haven't already turned to another channel at this point because I'm depressing you, Quite the opposite, in fact. What I want to do this morning is take you to Romans 5 to show you that even if the bottom completely falls out, even if our suffering only increases, we still have every reason to rejoice and hope because God is not just present in our suffering. God is powerfully active in us and through us when we suffer. And his purpose for our suffering, as we'll see, is glorious. So what I want to do, I want to show you three directions we can look to see Jesus working to provide hope and joy for his people. So before verse 3, we wanted, we wanted verses 3 through 5 read, but before verse 3, we have Romans 5, verse 1. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, we look back to see Jesus working for us on the cross, and he provides two things for us. If you, if you look at Romans 5, verse 1, here's what we find. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, as humans, we have a couple problems. The first problem we have is that we are sinners, And since we are sinners, it leads to the second problem, and that's that we are guilty before a holy God. We are sinners, and God is holy. And and so God, in his grace and in his mercy, he has provided a solution to that problem. Because of our sin, we deserve judgment from God, but he sent his son Jesus, and Jesus, although he was personally sinless, was counted as a sinner in our place. He took our sins on his body on the cross, and he suffered the judgment that we deserve. And so what Paul is saying here by justification by faith, he's saying that simple faith in Jesus leads to us being counted as innocent, even though we are guilty. We are forgiven, and we are set free. We receive pardon from God. 
we will not suffer the penalty that we deserve because of what Jesus has done. We are justified. But secondly, it says that we have peace with God. So another problem that we have is that our sin separates us from God. God is holy. We are sinful, and it separates us. We do not have a relationship. All children are not God's children in the world. We are rebels who have turned on God. And so in God's solution, he sent his son Jesus to die in our place, and through Jesus' death, He reconciles us to God. He made peace with his blood that was shed for us. So as we look back to Jesus on the cross, we see him working for us to restore us, to reconcile us to God, and to forgive us of our sins. But then when you get to Romans chapter 5 verse 2, we we see Jesus in a different direction. Okay, we look ahead to see Jesus coming for us in the future. If you look at Romans 5 verse 2, Paul writes, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see, we don't just confess and proclaim and praise the fact that Jesus died for us. He did die for us. He was buried, he rose from the dead, and he ascended to heaven. But we also celebrate the fact and look forward to the reality that Jesus is coming back. We rejoice in this great hope that we have of his return because it will be the revealing of the glory of God and it will fill the earth. And because Jesus died and was resurrected for us, we don't have judgment to fear, but glory to enjoy at the return of Jesus. We can pray for it, because we have, long, or we have glorified bodies that live perfectly for the glory of Jesus in his presence awaiting us. And we will see him as he is, and we will be like him. And on that day, when Jesus returns, our faith will turn to sight. And what a sight that will be. So we have reason to rejoice in what Jesus has done for us in the past on the cross, and in what Jesus will do for us in the future at his return. But I hope you notice this. We're not in either of those places right now. We live between these two joyful realities, between what Jesus has done for us in the past, what he will do for us in the future. In the meantime, we live in a world of sorrow and suffering, a world of brokenness and pain. We live in a world of viruses and economic breakdowns, We live in a world of sin and death. We have minds and bodies that are breaking down and fading away. How much of that evokes joy? Most of us probably haven't felt much joy over the past couple weeks. So where is Jesus? Where is Jesus in this sorrowful place of suffering? We see him on the cross dying for our sins, and we rejoice because we are forgiven and reconciled to God. We see him coming in the future where we will be with him. We will see him face to face, and we see and we feel joy and hope in that. But Paul says something startling in verse 3. We can also look within to see Jesus working in us and through us as we suffer. Look at Romans Romans 5, verse 3. Not only that, Paul writes, not only what? Not only do we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand, not only 
Do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God? Paul writes, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Well, first things first. I I do want to uh, make a simple observation. I hope it's obvious to, to you, but it is worth saying. As Christians, we are not immune to suffering. We're not immune to suffering just because we're at peace with God. Justification and reconciliation don't protect us from suffering in this life. Paul expected Christians to suffer. Our our loyalty to God, our faith in Jesus, our spiritual activity, they do not protect us from a virus or any form of suffering. So if if you are, uh, you know, just kind of, rolling your eyes at at all the social distancing because you're trusting God to to just take care of you. Know that God has not promised you that you won't suffer, and he hasn't promised you that you will not contract a virus. He hasn't promised us a suffering-free, comfortable life. But here's the simple main point of what Paul's saying here. What God has done is he has rigged the system. He has hijacked suffering to serve his people's joy. Yes, even the suffering caused by COVID-19 in the sovereign hand of God increases our joy. Now, I want to make sure that you're not hearing what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we should be happy for our suffering. We're not masochists. I'm saying what Paul's saying. God has turned suffering on its head. He uses what was meant to destroy us to make us into something beautiful. God uses what causes us to suffer to make us more and more like Jesus. As we suffer, if we follow the logic, as we suffer, we counterintuitively become more glorious. There is a glorious God-shaped purpose to what you're going through right now. There is an end to the dark night. We pray. That's why we lament. We pray for the end of this dark night. But in God's sovereignty, he shapes us even in the darkness. Now, at the church at Trace Crossing, we believe the likeness of Jesus or the image of Jesus is the greatest outcome we could ever aspire to. That's the metric that matters most to us. More so than any form of worldly success, we want to become like Jesus. Through our worship, through our life groups, through all of our ministries, whether we're physically gathering or not, we strive to be shaped and to shape others into the image of Christ. And Paul says something startling here. Even suffering serves this process. We don't merely see Jesus in the past dying on a cross, rising from the dead, ascending into heaven. We don't just see Jesus in the future returning in glory for his people. We see Jesus right now, present and active in the midst of our deepest suffering to transform us into his likeness, into his image. But we don't think like that. I I don't naturally think the way Paul thinks here. We assume suffering stifles the process of discipleship. 
especially when it impedes our ability to gather as the church. And we expect suffering to undermine, not strengthen, our confidence in the future. Just as an example, COVID-19, it has put many of our future plans on hold or in doubt entirely. But Paul takes the exact opposite point of view. Paul says that suffering only serves to increase our joy and confidence in the future. He says that we can hope when we have every reason to be hopeless. And we can rejoice in our sorrows. Now, I hope you're asking this question because Paul gives us an answer. How on earth does that work? How does it work? Well, Paul says we can rejoice in suffering because God has rigged suffering to increase our hope in God. And here's how it works. First, he says, suffering produces endurance. Now, the Greek word that's translated in the ESV as endurance could just as easily be translated as perseverance. Now, from what I hear, runners develop greater endurance through a painful process of consistent running that stretches and pushes their limits. I actually had to read that because I don't know from personal experience what that's like. Um, I know that will come as a shock to you, but I actually do not possess very much endurance when it comes to running. Uh, Now, what that means is I can't run very far without stopping to catch my breath. In fact, that's why I don't do it. That's why I don't run, because it's, just, it's too painful for me. I, I don't like it. Now, growing up, my mom, my mom used to run six miles every single morning, and her dad, my granddad, that guy has probably run more miles than I've driven, but uh, I'm just not about that life right now. That's, that's just not, that's not where I am. I have not carried on the family tradition. I am uh, shaming my family's running tradition. Uh, I'm not currently willing, just to, just to be honest with you, I'm not currently willing to put in the hard work required to increase my endurance. And until I do, I'll never be able to even run a 5K, let alone six miles. The Christian life is a long and difficult journey of faith. Becoming like Jesus, what we're striving to do every single week, is grueling and long. And without endurance, we can't make it. This is what Jesus meant when he said, only those who persevere to the end will be saved. So God will use any means necessary to produce the endurance and perseverance we'll need to complete the journey even if that means stripping away comforts. When we suffer, we are presented with an opportunity to endure, to stay the course amidst the storm, to withstand the winds and the waves. If you suffer as a result of this virus, this disease, it will likely mean that you will have lost health, jobs, money, a sense of security, and maybe even a loved one. But we can make it through knowing that we are suffering, that what we are suffering produces the endurance that we will most need for our most important journey. Endurance and perseverance, they require patience, which, just as a word of counsel, it means that Christians should not panic 
when the world as we know it changes or causes us harm. Endurance through a pandemic means that we stay the course. We continue living before the face of God with humility. It means that we continue living sacrificially and loving big. It it means that we continue dispensing grace and mercy, forgiveness and understanding to those who aren't like us. Suffering doesn't throw us off course. Suffering, in fact, in God's sovereignty, keeps us on course because of the way that God uses it to produce endurance in our hearts. Well, then the chain continues. Paul says that endurance then produces character. As we're enduring the suffering that we're experiencing, our character, the core of who we are, is put to the test. That's the language in the Greek behind this word. It's, it's, our character is tested. Now, the Bible actually uses an interesting metaphor for suffering. The Apostle Peter describes suffering as a furnace that refines the Christian. He compares Christian character to gold. Now, gold is purified by enduring a heating process. Gold, along with all the other impure elements and minerals that are attached to it, are put into a furnace and are heated to the point that all that remains is the gold. All the other impurities, they melt away, and all that's left is pure gold. Peter uses this to to talk about suffering. He says that suffering is like a furnace. When we endure the flames of suffering, false hopes False gods, false securities, false allegiances, they melt away, and our character in Christ is purified. Suffering presents us with a chance to reevaluate our priorities. What have we been valuing most? Have we been treating the temporary as if it's eternal? Has God taken something from us? that was actually hindering our growth in Christ? And do we need to leave it behind even when we're able to take it back? We have an opportunity in this crisis to collectively, as as a body, to become less self-focused and more others-focused, less self-centered and more God-centered, less self-sufficient and more God-dependent. These uncertain days have provided an opportunity for the church to shine with the light of Christ as our character, our Christian character, is refined. Suffering does not and cannot undo us. God undoes suffering to make us more like Jesus. And then there's one more step to the chain, one more link. Paul says that, Not only does suffering produce endurance and endurance produce character, but finally, character produces hope. Once this process happens and we have built up endurance and our character is refined, and by the way, this this doesn't happen overnight. I can't check back in with you in a couple weeks and ask how refined your character is. It's, It's a long process. It's a slow process. It's grueling. But once this process happens, we have all the more reason to hope in God. Think about it. The way Paul even begins this chain in verse 3 with not only that. It's one thing to hope in God because of the salvation he has provided outside of us, outside of anything we could ever do 
in the death, resurrection, and return of Christ. But if God will use even the worst we can experience in this world, if he can use that to take us to heights we might not otherwise be capable of reaching, our confidence in the future will surge. Suffering cannot stop God's purpose for your life. He uses suffering to accomplish his purpose for your life. And this may be difficult to understand. It's difficult for me to understand sometimes. But your future is very bright, even if the rest of your days are very dark. Because in the darkness, light is being formed in you. In the furnace, the dross is removed and character that reflects Jesus remains. The path to glory that, that we hope for, that we long for, that we pray for, it is paved with suffering. So don't let it catch you off guard. No matter how bad this gets, the suffering caused by this virus, by this disease, will be used by God to shape you into the kind of person you were always meant to be. In this way, we can rejoice. We can rejoice even in our sufferings because they can't stop God's glorious purpose for our lives. John Piper once said, I actually think he just tweeted this and it just blew up, but he, but he once said, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life and you may be aware of three of them. We're about to sing a song that says, there's strength within the sorrow. There's beauty in our tears. And the song goes on to quote from Genesis 50. It says, even what the enemy means for evil, you turn it for our good. We have a unique opportunity during this crisis to grow in Christ-likeness together in ways we haven't been able to in years gone by. Now, that's not to say that we haven't individually suffered. We have. We have all suffered in individual ways, and God has used that to make us more like his son. And in some sense, our church has suffered in the past year, and we've suffered together. But this crisis affects every single one of us in similar ways. So we have an opportunity to grow in endurance, character, and hope together. Let's not waste it. On the other side of this storm, we will look more like Jesus than if we hadn't gone through it. So let's go through it together and depend on God to work out his purposes for our lives. Let me pray for us.